Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. In the Latin Rite calendar of the Catholic Church, we are, of course, coming up on two wonderful feast days, All Souls and All Saints feast days. Now, notice how I began. I said in the Latin Rite calendar of the Roman Catholic Church. I qualified that. And it's something I'm going to ask you to join me in doing and actually to pass the word around. Because oftentimes when it is mentioned, for instance, on things like Catholic Radio, or other kinds of presentations, talks, and so on. A speaker might say, oh, today is the feast day of Saint so-and-so in the Catholic Church. But you see, that has to be qualified, especially if we're interested in working towards unity in the Church. It should be qualified as I just did now, where I said in the Latin Rite calendar, because that particular day, the saint might be different on some of the other Eastern Catholic calendars, such as my own. In the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we do not celebrate all souls or all saints in the next couple days, as you do in the Latin Rite Church. In fact, our all souls, there's actually four of them that happen during Lent. There's one after Lent, and there is also an All Saints Day. So we have the same concept, the same type of remembrance and prayer, but it's done differently. That, of course, is very typical of the differences between East and West. There are a difference in style a difference in expression, a difference in emphasis, not a difference in belief. But I always find it comforting whenever that qualification can be made, because it doesn't leave the Eastern churches out of things. In other words, whenever we say, today is the feast of whatever saint in the Catholic Church, it presumes that the whole Catholic Church is simply Latin Rite, that there's no other liturgical calendar. But there are other liturgical calendars. Now, sometimes our saints will overlap. We'll have the same saint on the same day. It's rather rare, but it does happen. And we do share each other's saints to an extent, but we do have our respective saints as well. Of course, a saint is a saint. You know, sanctity is sanctity. It's just that on our respective calendars of our liturgy, our liturgical life, there are certain saints that rose up in the western lung of the church and those that rose up in the east. Again, we do share some of the same ones, 
but we also have different ones. Most of the time we have different ones, or maybe even different feast days, or feast days that we don't necessarily share with each other. For example, in the Latin Rite, there's an observance such as the Feast of Christ the King. Now, we don't have that in the Eastern churches, but we have other feast days. So sometimes we have similar things. Obviously, we all have the Nativity of Christ. We have his death and resurrection and those major, major events. But there are other events and concepts in the life of Christ and also the Blessed Mother that are sometimes not shared or not celebrated in the same way between East and West. So it actually is a good idea. It's, it's like being honest and actually works towards ecumenism. Because imagine if our Orthodox friends were listening, and they would hear the statement, well, today in the Catholic Church is the feast day of so-and-so, or whatever. And they would know that there is a different feast day for the Eastern calendars. What might they think? They might think, well, gee, if we reunite with the Roman Catholic Church, will we be overlooked in the same way? In other words, will it be assumed that there's only one way to be Catholic? This may sound like a small, almost petty thing, but actually it's a big thing, and it's a very common thing. It's big in the sense that it's one of those things that's little, but actually has a big implication because it expresses an awareness, an awareness that is very critical for the cause of unity. And that's what we are about here at Light of the East. We present the riches of both lungs of the church, East and West, primarily, of course, the emphasis on the East, but we do so towards the cause of unity in the church. And that's just one little detail, one little small thing that actually becomes a big thing. As you know, in life itself, it's the little things that count sometimes because they are expressions of a bigger thing, of a fundamental awareness or attitude or what's in the heart. So little things can become big things. So that's just something that I've always wanted to ask you to do with me. Raise the consciousness, first of all, within your own mind and heart among those around you and try and spread the word, like make that qualification. When someone says, well, today we do this in the Catholic Church, if it's not shared by everyone in the Catholic Church, then you can say, well, we do this in the Latin Rite Church. <laughs> really, it's a small thing, but it's something that would work towards unity. But speaking of sainthood and saints, in the Eastern churches, obviously, saints are very revered. We have many of them, just as we do in the Western lung of the church. Our saints tend to be classified. We start out, first and foremost, with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I'm going to go down a list here. It's an order of rank, if you want to look at it that way. It's the kind of rank that we use in the Eastern churches for our prayers and our commemorations of saints on feast days. But it's also a ranking that we use during the rite of preparation before the liturgy, where the priest takes the bread, which is leavened, so it's raised, it's like a loaf, and he has to cut it up in a certain way, and he says a certain prayer for every action he does. He pours the wine and the water into the chalice, which will become, of course, the precious blood of Christ. So there is a rite of preparation of the gifts on a table that is in the sanctuary to the left of the main altar. Now, this used to occur in a separate building called the Scalphalakian. It's a big Greek word, but it used to be a separate building. And what would happen is people would bring the bread and the wine. They would bring the gifts to the church and to that building. And in that building, the deacon would accept those gifts, and he would do the preparation of the gifts. And then, at a certain point in the liturgy, this is called now the great entrance in our liturgy, there would be a grand procession from that place where their gifts were prepared to the church. And during that procession is the point when some of the higher-ranking prelates would oftentimes join in the liturgy. That's why it's oftentimes called the great entrance. It was a big deal, a big parade-like, but a reverent one. 
And as the parade or the procession would move through the church from the Skeofalakian, they would move through the crowd, the deacon carrying on his head, actually, in a discos, the bread that was prepared that would become the body of Christ. And the priest would take the chalices, and the altar servers would, of course, lead the procession. And as they wove through the crowd, which we do even to this day in the Byzantine church, they make a commemoration. The deacon will commemorate all the Christians, and the priest will commemorate the bishop. He'll also commemorate the founders of the church. He'll commemorate the saint of the day or any other special commemoration. Sometimes these things can be rather elaborate. They have a kind of a codified way that we do it in our churches today, but they can sometimes be (laughs) very lengthy and elaborate. They start to include all kinds of people, remembrances. In fact, what they would do in the early churches, in the early centuries of the Byzantine church, when this great entrance would take place, as the priest walked through the crowd carrying the chalice and making the commemorations, people would shout out names and intentions to him, and he would include that as he's going through the procession. I had an experience of this in the wonderful country of Georgia, which is primarily Orthodox. It's a very, very Orthodox, so it's an Eastern Christian country, primarily. I attended some services there and attended one of the liturgies. And the great entrance took practically a half hour by itself. The priest just stood there taking all these intentions. People were writing them on pieces of paper and bringing up to him, and he would just keep naming them off and just stood there with that chalice. And it was a good-sized chalice filled with the wine because it was going to be prepared and put on the altar to become the precious blood of Christ. But I wondered, how is he going to keep holding that? Isn't his arm getting tired? (laughs) I'm a priest myself, so I know what that feels like. But it was a good-sized chalice filled with wine, and he's standing there for a long time, and he's commemorating all these commemorations that were being brought up to him right there on the spot, plus the ones that are standard for the liturgy. So it was an interesting experience for me, a throwback to what used to be in in really many centuries ago. That was the common practice. See, liturgies were a lot longer back then. We think liturgy or mass is long now, especially if it goes over an hour. Oh, God forbid, you know. But back then, it could go on for several hours. And you know what else they would do? If there were several priests there, they would all give a homily. How about that? (laughs) Well, as we complete this procession with the gifts and we're naming the saint of the day, then the gifts are, of course, placed on the altar and they will become the precious body and blood of Christ. So these gifts are prepared before the liturgy. And during the preparations, the priest is cutting the bread up or the deacon with him is cutting the bread up. He takes the center part of the loaf and extracts that. He actually pulls it out. It's the larger piece. That would become what the Latin Rite Church might know as the host. Originally, that was the only part that was consecrated. The rest of the pieces were cut up, and they were used just to commemorate different saints. They were put on the chalice, the discos, but only the central part was actually consecrated. For practical purposes and pastoral reasons in the Eastern churches today, most Eastern churches consecrate all the particles, in particular, of course, the central one, the host or the lamb, as we call it. Now, to complete our listing, the first commemoration that goes on at the side table during the preparation mentions, first of all, the queen of heaven. And the priest says, the queen stood at your right hand, vested in robes adorned with gold. Then he puts a particle on the discos next to the lamb, the host. And that particle is cut differently. It's set apart from the rest. It's cut in the shape of a triangle. It goes to show you how highly the mother of God is revered in the church. The next one is the honorable and heavenly angelic powers. That starts the first row of nine. Actually, it's three rows of three. So it's going to be nine particles, and that will be to the right of the host. The Blessed Mother is on the left as you're looking at the discos, and she is set apart, as as I mentioned, by herself. 
After that, we have then the commemoration of the holy, glorious, and illustrious apostles, Peter and Paul and all the other apostles. When we return, we're going to continue going through our list, our hierarchy of saints, according to the Byzantine tradition. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're talking about saints today, but I also want to ask you, speaking of saints, I want to ask you to pray for me, because as you who are Latin Rite, if you're of the Latin Rite tradition, you will be celebrating all souls on the day that I leave on the pilgrimage that you've been hearing about for quite a while to Fatima. So I'm going to ask for your prayers and intercede to the saints, ask for their intercession for myself and for those who are going with me that it may be a safe and holy and fruitful pilgrimage and retreat. Pray also to my patron saint, St. Thomas. I would appreciate that very much. And praying, of course, contributes to all of us becoming saints. (laughs) As one monk told me, in heaven, the only thing we take with us to heaven, it's only one thing, and that is prayer. You know, I never really thought about that, but he reminded me about that, and that is true. Because in heaven, what do we do in heaven? We take our place along all the other saints and angels in heaven in the glorious, ongoing, mystical, heavenly liturgy 
where we praise God or in God's presence. We see God in all his glory, and we see one another in our glorified states, praising God. So prayer is the only thing we do on this earth and in the next, the thing that we take with us. So prayer is vital. Okay, the next role in the hierarchy is a commemoration of the Holy Fathers and hierarchs, the bishops, especially the most famous ones, the doctors and hierarchs of the church in the East, Basil the Great, Gregory the Theologian and John Chrysostom, Athanasius and Cyril, St. Nicholas of Myra, the teachers of the Slavs, Cyril and Methodius, and the holy bishop martyr Josephat, and all holy hierarchs. See, we always do that. We mention certain ones, and then we include them all. <laughs> After that, the particle is placed again on the discos, and this time it commemorates the martyrs, starting with the first martyr, the holy apostle and first martyr, and archdeacon. He was an archdeacon. Stephen, you remember that story from the Acts of the Apostles, a very moving story. Then the holy great martyrs, Demetrius, George, Theodore the Recruit, and all the holy martyrs. Now, Demetrius and George, they were both soldiers, and they're oftentimes shown on a horse, spearing the devil. So Demetrius and George, Theodore the Recruit, and all the holy martyrs. Next one is our venerable, the venerables, our venerable and God-bearing fathers, Anthony, Euthemius, Sabas, Anufrius, and all venerable men and women. See how we always include everyone? We mention certain ones. Now, these certain ones were early monastics, especially Father Anthony. Most of the time, liturgically and in remembrance, we refer to monks as venerables. Then below that is the holy and charitable wonder workers, Cosmos and Damien, Cyrus and John, Pantelemon and Hermelaus, and all the charitable workers. Now, what was interesting about all these names I just mentioned, these charitable wonder workers, they were all physicians that cured and worked for free. <laughs> How about that for a healthcare program? <laughs> Cosmos and Damien, among the most famous. Then after that is the holy and just ancestors of God, Joachim and Anne. Notice how we called them the ancestors of God because they were the parents of the Blessed Mother. And God came into the world, took on flesh through the Blessed Mother. So that makes Joachim and Anne his ancestors. Then we commemorate the saint of the day. We finally come now to that feast of the day, according to the Byzantine liturgical calendar, which most of the time would be different than the Latin Rite calendar. Not always, but most of the time. And we say, all the saints through whose prayers, O God, watch over us. Now, those are the listing of the saints that we commemorate. Then we add other particles of bread underneath all that. It's actually two horizontal rows beneath the three rows of three that are next to the lamb. I know it's maybe a little confusing, but if you kind of picture a round discos, in the middle of the discos is the larger piece of bread. To the left of that, the Blessed Mother. To the right of that, three rows of three. Those are the saints. And now we put rows beneath. That's where we start to make our personal commemorations. Especially, we commemorate, we put a particle there to commemorate whoever the liturgy was intended for, for a deceased member most of the time, or for living members. Oftentimes, it could be even for, for example, someone's anniversary, their wedding anniversary, or their birthday, or they're, or they're sick, and so on. So it's for the living and the dead. We put actually two separate roads, the living and the dead. We mention them by name. And we say, for the blessed memory and remission of all the blessed founders of the Holy Church or of this monastery. And then, after all of that commemoration, the gifts are covered with the veils, and they await for the great entrance, or they be brought not just up, as in the Latin rite, they bring the gifts up, as you call it, 
We, of course, being in the East, are going to be a little more complex. We're going to bring them around and up in this big, grand procession known as the Great Entrance. During that time, there's a very solemn hymn that's sung to the cherubim. That is to mystically represent the cherubim and sing a thrice holy hymn to the life-creating trinity. Now set aside all earthly cares. And then the gifts are brought to the altar and that hymn is then completed. That we may welcome the king of all, invisibly escorted by angelic hymns. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So there's a real mindfulness here of angels. You can see how the liturgy starts to build. We remember the saints, now we're talking about the angels and how we're basically becoming like them. Let us who mystically represent. Now, mystical doesn't mean just something highly symbolic or kind of poofy. It means something very, very real. In other words, it means that we are taking our place along the angels and saints in the heavenly liturgy. And this actually happens in the divine liturgy or in the mass, in the Latin rite. Eucharist is a timeless experience. It spans all time, all borders. It unites the next life with this life. So we really do join in our Mass or liturgy. We do join in with the ongoing liturgy in heaven. And that's a very real thing. And so we sing about that in the liturgy. As the liturgy starts to build more and more to its high point in the Eucharist itself. Now, to commemorate saints is important because they give us real live examples. Notice I say live, they're still living. Live examples that we are to model and be encouraged by. And we're going to talk a little bit about saints. What really is a saint? Are they really so far beyond us? Is their status so unattainable by us? Sometimes it seems that way. The saints, and what really makes a saint a saint, I like to define it this way. It's someone who is simply fully human. They have reached a full and honest humanness as far as they can on this side of eternity. Because the human person, by nature, was designed as a saint. We were designed to be perfect, designed to be at one with God, in harmony with God, in harmony with all the cosmos, the creation, in harmony with one another, where we live a life of love conscious of God, praying all the time, being very, very mystical, having that sense of the union with God, his presence all the time. That's normal humanity. And so whenever someone is declared a saint, really what we're doing is we're declaring the fact that they've reached a certain full, authentic humanness on this earth. That doesn't mean they were perfect. No, they were not perfect. In fact, the saints were the ones that had the most and the most and deepest kind of compunction and sorrow for their sins. They would weep over their sins. You might say, well, what are they crying for? They're so good and so holy. Well, that's why they cried. Precisely because of their holiness, they had a profound sense of their sinfulness, especially in relation to God. When you have a profound sense, a really keen sense of God, I know we all do to an extent, but we don't have it nearly enough. We would be very different if we did. The difference between us and the great saints is they had such a profound, such a keen sense of God that they really knew their place in relation to that God. Well, that they felt very, very lowly, very unworthy as sinners in constant repentance. Now, this is not to be confused with having a bad self-image or some sort of psychological disorder. 
This is an honesty that moved them to tears and to want to embrace, as many of the saints did, monasticism, the ascetical life, where there was a lot of penance, a lot of awareness of their sinfulness, but that would always give way to the joy and the awesomeness of coming to know and draw closer to God. I hope those of you, hope those of you who are celebrating All Saints and All Souls Day truly have a holy and saintly celebration. And I pray that you will become a saint, in other words, a full human as well. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Truth, Live Catholic, with trusted series, features, and specials from EWTN Home Video. The EWTN Home Video highlight for October is the EWTN Family Celebration in Worcester, Massachusetts. Celebrate 100 years of Fatima. Order your DVD set at EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or call 1-800-854-6316. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!